Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's our goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine and Becky Eason. Today, we are going to continue our series and talking about love and emotions and money and particularly around parents. Yes, I know that's an exciting topic to be listening to, but if you are somebody that is either helping a parent or a grandparent around this particular topic and the freedom or loss of freedom that sometimes come when they can't handle their finances, that's an extremely emotional topic around money. But before we get started, of course, we have to talk about what kind of wine we might drink because this is a Friday that we are actually recording. We like to record on Fridays. And it seems like every single week I say this, like TGIF, I've got my wine sitting out on the counter tonight, (laughs) ready to go. Tonight, I'm actually going to be drinking a Cab Franc from Lakewood. And I know, Becky, last time you and I recorded, you actually mentioned that your favorite wine was from Lakewood and Abbey Rose. Is that still your favorite at this time? It is, except I'll have to try the Cab Franc. It's um, very smooth. Yeah, I think um, we had talked about Abbey Rose being a nice uh, intro wine, I call it, you know, kind of in the middle of the road. Their Cab Franc has some pepperiness to it, but it's extremely smooth. So yeah, they do carry it at that small little um, liquor store that's uh, right there in Hornell by Wegmans. So if you want to go try a bottle of it, I would highly encourage it, but I'm prejudiced too. So so yeah, so digging into the topic of of, uh, love and money and emotion and money, um, I know that as part of the... Kate and I talked about this in in last week's podcast, but I know that you also attended the Women's Conference... And one of the things that we did was we talked about um, money habitudes and how different people spend money or the emotion behind them spending their money. And everybody at the conference actually spent a little bit of time at the conference actually doing the habitude cards. But then I know some people took the cards home and actually like explored it with their spouses or went a little bit deeper with those cards. And you mentioned that you actually did kind of learn some things uh, around about yourself around money. And I think you're acutely aware of yourself. So it was interesting to hear uh, what what you learned. What were some of the lessons that you took away from doing that exercise? I think a big lesson was doing it with my husband and seeing like we knew we weren't exactly on the same page um, 
with spending versus saving and giving, but to have those cards really verify that Mm -hmm. and then have the conversation around, well, what does this mean? And, Mm -hmm. you know, how can we, you know, support each other going forward while still fulfilling our wishes? You mentioned the word communication and conversation, and you're fairly early on in your marriage still. And you had this conversation about how can we support, and you also use the word support. When couples are having significant financial challenges or conflicts and don't sit down and actually learn the whys behind it, there's a lot of assumptions made. You know, you're spending money that we don't have, or you're spending money we should be doing this with, or you're, you know, and it's in our heads to a certain extent and it's not verbalized, or if it is, it's not verbalized in a healthy manner. How did you guys take that next step to say, this is good information. What are we going to do with it? Was it a budget like discussion or what, what did you do to, to kind of take it that next step? Yeah. So we have like, each of us have our own like personal account mm-hmm. and then we have our joint account. So we kind of looked at it and I knew like he wanted to buy fun things and I'm more of a giver, but we've always done that out of our personal accounts. Mm-hmm. So it has never really impacted us jointly, but we kind of talked about like, you know, are we each saving enough for our own personal spending? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our case, it turned out we were. So we didn't really have to make any changes, but we're both aware of each mm-hmm. other's goals and how we want to spend money. That's great. I always say that, you know, how they have like pre canon classes for those that are in the Catholic religion around uh, one of the classes is actually around money. I just think like the condition for your marriage license should be a, a class around money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very emotional and you're not only going through the emotions of getting married and starting a whole new life together, but to add finances into there. Yeah. It's very stressful. And you and Colin were raised a little bit differently, right? I mean, there's um, you were raised in a household where it was an entrepreneur household and, um, you know, there were ups and downs and cycles. And uh, I mean, you you, you understand your, from my perspective, uh, your parents were pretty upfront with you about the finances going around. And so you're, you're more aware of money, I would say, than most people. That's my perception. Um, so as you got older too, your parents started to take on taking care of your grandparents and you witnessed their declining physical and mental capacity issues and watching your parents start to have to take on responsibility of financial caregiving, not just physical caregiving. Let's talk a little bit about what you saw as your parents needed to take that on. What was the reaction that your grandparents had when when they started to have somebody else have to take care of that? Yeah, my grandpa, I think he knew um, deep down that he wasn't fully able to take care of it. And so at the time I was in college and you know, he knew what I was taking, being mm-hmm. financial planning. So he asked if I would help him. Mm-hmm. And so I started trying to help him a little bit and that kind of eased the transition because then it became very apparent that he couldn't handle it on his own. So then my dad took over, um, you know, having that stronger relationship, more power to really step in and help. Mm-hmm. And so I think for my grandpa, it was a really good transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now my grandmother, she was very close with my aunt and helping. Mm-hmm. So I watched my aunt take on more of like the bill paying and going to different meetings with the bank and, you know, different institutions. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of stepped in and built that relationship to help that transition as well. Yeah. Um, 
both of them were very emotional because mm-hmm. no one wants to give up their freedom. Mm-hmm. I think the two most difficult things that somebody gives up as they age is driving and the financial caregiving of themselves. Like those two things are their big emotional hurdles, right? When you can't drive anymore, you've lost some independence. When you can't pay your bills confidently, you've lost another level of confidence. And we saw with Brent's mom, first it was like, she just handed over the checkbook and said, you take care of it. It was just her, you know, she didn't want to do it anymore kind of type thing. And then she lost her driving. And it was, it was after that, that we saw that it's almost like she gave up at that point in time. You know, there, there is a, there's that psychology of, of loss of independence. And when you feel very, um, like you feel like you've given up all your normal activities, you know, there, that, that can drive some of the other, um, like hygiene decisions and those kinds of things, you know, in a, a different direction. And sometimes it's a smooth transition, like what you've talked about. Uh, other times, not so much, you know, it's, it's definitely, I can do this. I can still do this. And it's, you know, it's, it's because they don't want to give up that independence yet. Now, one of the tips that I think people can take away is that it's, if you start to recognize certain things, not being too overbearing, right. Sort of gently introducing some assistance, like having that conversation. That's not like you can't do this anymore. I have to do it. You know, just, it's a gentle introduction. I mean, it's great that your grandpa came to you and said, Hey, Becky, you know, you're taking this, these classes that are around finance. Do you want to help me out? Um, but it's recognizing those signs sometimes that's a bit of a challenge. And it sounds like your grandfather had a good transition into that. And even your grandma with your aunt had a decent transition into that environment. Did you notice any, um, once they made the decision, did you notice any emotional changes in them around like expending at all? So with my grandpa, it actually happened right around the time that COVID hit. So it wasn't, you know, very noticeable because he stayed home a lot and um, he didn't really have the opportunity to go out and spend. Um, but what we did notice is that a lot of charities were sending him mail and he wanted to donate to every charity. We'd be like, Grandpa, he just wrote a check to this charity. And it's like, oh, I did? I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. you made a donation. So why don't we wait a little while and then you can make another donation later on. Mm -hmm. Um, But then sometimes it'd be the same conversation Mm -hmm. each time we went over to see him. Mm -hmm. Did your dad have power of attorney or was he joint on the accounts? How did you guys set that up? My dad had been joint on the account for a long time, which was very beneficial. So even though my grandpa didn't necessarily know my dad was um, able to kind of monitor the transactions. Mm -hmm. Um, He did it in a way that, you know, unless something huge came out of the account, which it fortunately didn't, Mm -hmm. but he would have been able to kind of put a stop to it. Yeah, because a couple ways that you can do that is is be joined on the account like your your dad was, or you can, if, if a family member has planned with a power of attorney, then you can actually go to the bank and deliver your power of attorney and, and be able to, you know, per- basically act as the person, you know, writing the, writing the check and, and kind of monitor things um, a little bit closer. As you think about, um, I'm, I'm just curious too, as you think about the whole like money habitude side of things, would you say that your grandparents, like, cause you were saying your grandpa wanted to give to every charity that he, you know, can't, got a notice for, 
Was he the type of person that really prior to that was a, a giving you know, person? Was he an overgiver, I guess is what I'm asking, or was it more controlled? From everything I could see, it was a controlled giver. Mm-hmm. So he and wasn't changing a habit necessarily. He just was probably giving more because he kept giving notices. Yep. Yep, exactly that. And and thinking about like your, um, you know, if you could give tips to people that are listening um, and thinking about planning for some financial caregiving of parents or grandparents, what would be just a couple of tips that you might offer that would maybe get them just moving in that direction a little bit? Like moving in the direction of the parent or grandparent asking for help. Yeah. Or just knowing, recognizing that they might need help. Are there some signs that we should be looking for? Um, and then what are some ways that we might be able to, you know, if, if it was, if it was me recognizing something going on with my parents, what would those signs be? And what are some ways that I might be able to gently start to get involved without them feeling like I'm trying to take over? Cause that's really where the resistance comes. Yeah. A big sign was overwhelmed. Um, like if an insurance bill came in or something and, you know, sometimes you get multiple pieces of mail, like before you get your actual um, premium notice and, you know, those pile up and then you go over a visit and there's a pile of mail and they don't know what to do with it. Now, my grandpa, he was an insurance agent his entire life. And so like, to me, that was like, okay, something's a little bit off. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's known this his entire life. So what's going on? Mm-hmm. Especially um, in an area that he knew. Yeah. You know, that, that's a great sign. But feeling overwhelmed in general with mail. And I would, I would agree, like that was Eva's problem too. Like she would get three or four pieces in the mail and she would feel like, I got to get this bill paid tomorrow. And sometimes it wasn't a bill, like you said. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. And the medical statements, oh my gosh, you know how like you get the explanation of benefits and then you'd get the... um notice of like what was paid by Medicare, but then what's still pending with the the supplementary insurance and then what the supplementary insurance covered. And then you finally get the bill like two and a half to three months later from the hospital of any portion that you belong to. For her, that was very overwhelming. We did we did notice that. And any other any other um like signs that you can think of that you guys noticed? Um another one was ATM withdrawals. Um, my grandpa would swing by the ATM almost every time he was out and about. And, you know, right until the end, he was like, I got to go to the ATM, get some cash out. We're like, okay, you're not going anywhere. What, what do you need cash for? You know, that's really interesting, Becky. And I say that because I didn't recognize that as a sign. Now that you're saying it, I, I guess I do, but I didn't recognize that as a sign with Eva necessarily. She didn't go to the ATM, but she would drive down to the bank and get cash out once or twice a week for a little while. So it's almost the same thing that you're saying. So that's interesting that both your grandfather and my mother-in-law were that there's some commonality there on that front. We didn't necessarily always know what she was spending the money on. <laughs> to be honest with you, we anticipate that when we get to around to cleaning her house out, we're probably going to find some money stashed in different places because we have no idea what she was spending the money on. 
other than maybe gas. I don't know, but that's interesting. I, I never put that together. So it's interesting that you, you bring that up. Um, do, do you know what they were like? Do you have any idea what your grandfather was spending any particular money on or he just felt the need to have cash? I think it was the need to have cash and going back to being very giving. Yeah. Um, you know, every time we would go somewhere, he'd be like, well, can I buy this for you? Or let me pay your entrance into here. And I think it was his like security and also giving. Aww. He was such a cute guy, too, I have to admit. Yes, he was. <laughs> and you mentioned that he kind of approached you, but what if it, any suggestions on if somebody, you know, recognizes these kinds of behaviors and haven't been approached? Is there any, maybe one tip that y- you would suggest that is a gentle entry into assisting? Yeah, maybe offer to go to, if you notice that it's insurance statements piling up, maybe offer to go to the insurance agency with your parent or grandparent and, you know, approach it as you're trying to help them and, you know, they can still make the decisions for now at least, but you want to be there for them or you want to go to the bank and, you know, if you're not joint on the account, maybe Mm -hmm. say, you know, as that first step, why don't we become joint account holders? You know, it's still your account, but, Mm -hmm. you know, just as a backup. Mm-hmm. Kind of easing into it. Mm-hmm. I've there's only one situation that I can think of where it was you know that that's what they offered to do was like hey mom you know let's not in my situation like a client um, hey mom you know why don't we why don't we start helping you out a little bit like I'll go to the bank with you and you know we can put my my name on it jointly oh you're trying to steal my money that to me was a sign yeah like when that paranoia kind of kicks in that's a sign of like. Ooh, like that never would have been the case before, right? Like somebody would have never assumed that you were going to steal your parents' money. That to me was a that paranoia aspect of things was kind of a little bit of a sign. And that's where I think sometimes a power of attorney can be very helpful versus, you know, if somebody's feeling like, you know, you don't, they don't want to be put on the account, then a power of attorney might kick in to be able to, like you said, monitor, like your dad monitored things a little bit um, before it was a necessity that he actually got actively involved. So from an estate planning perspective, you want to make sure those documents are in place well in advance uh, so that uh, if, if something like that pops up, we we can properly manage the situation. So when pe- when we talk to people about estate planning and um, I have actually had people say to me, what do I care? I'm going to be dead. You know, why do I have to go get a will or power of attorney or healthcare proxy? You know, those are things that, you know, especially the will, like, what do I care? You know? This is where I am. I, well, you know, do you want your family to have to go through like getting appointed as administrator and having to figure out how you want your assets to be distributed? Or would you like to like assist them so that they're not as stressed out after they've just lost you? Or you don't know if you're going to need a power of attorney at some point in time because, you know, something could happen and, and it could be temporary in nature, but you really need to, you know, have the, those situations in place where you have the ability to make some financial decisions. And this is not true just of like aging parents. This is true of everybody really, because you could be, you know, young and have a health situation that's going to need somebody to step in and, and take care of things. So, when we think about things that we can do in the month of February to show our loved ones how much we care for them, if you don't currently have your healthcare proxy, power of attorney, and a will, go do that. Go take care of that. Show them how much you love them with that action. And I know people are probably rolling their eyes 
eyes at me right now. <laughs> but in reality, I think that's a great gift that we can take some stress off from our loved ones by doing those kinds of things. Um, any other recommendations or tips, Becky, that you would give to anybody thinking about, uh, you know, helping their parents or their grandparents around financial decisions? I'm going to echo what you said about getting those estate planning documents in line. Yeah. Um, because it's even if you're not necessarily thinking about it, it's still in the back of your mind of has everything been taken care of? Because mm-hmm. life is so unpredictable and you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't know where to go, give us a call. We'll give you some referrals from attorneys that are in your area. Um, you know, cause we know we have listeners all over the, the country. You do need to have an attorney in your state or licensed in your state. So we'd be happy to refer you to, to somebody that we would recommend for those documents. Um, I don't, I'm not a big rec. I don't like the idea of doing like the legal zoom kind of edition of this kind of, these kinds of documents. I do recommend that you make the investment of working with an estate planning or elder law attorney. I think sometimes mistakes can be made when we don't do that kind of stuff. So we'd be thrilled to give a recommendation. And we so appreciate y'all listening this this, um, month and and our continued theme of emotion and love and money and the connection between those three adjectives. And I do call money an adjective. Um, so we'd love for you to share this with your friends through LinkedIn, through Instagram, through Twitter and through Facebook. We also would love if you want to send us a question around this particular topic, we'd certainly throw it in our asking for a friend, uh, section of our newsletter. So please feel free to ask, ask away. And if not this month, we'll have it in a future edition. We hope you very much have enjoyed this series and this particular episode. And like I said, please feel free to share. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear about, feel free to let us know. Don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.